generally speaking, about the church podcast episode number 78. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the About the Church In, podcast. Insert awkward pause. <laughs> I'm Cliff Ravenscraft. And I am D.G. Hollums. I was thinking of other languages to say hello in, like aloha. Hola. Hola. And anyway, it, it didn't come out. Instead, it was a, hi, hi. It's a long, awkward pause. Welcome back to the About the Church podcast anyway. Hey. Anyway. If hey, you DG. Japan, you hear the lights. DG. DG. I think it's like, yeah. I got a song just for you. Really? Welcome back. Uh, Your dreams were wow. young. Check it out. Welcome back. I thought welcome to that same old place that you laughed about. That I welcome laughed back. about? Uh, yeah. It, it, do, you, do, you, do you even know what song? Let me ask you. Do you oh, GSP. <laughs> I'm laughing about it. Exactly. Do you, you know where that's from, though, don't you? That song? The yes. theme song, too? Yes, but I don't know the name. I can't... I Welcome can't, back, Kata. Yeah, Carter. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, Kata. 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 Anyway. Actually, that's actually a little before my time. I, that's what I thought, unfortunately. Yeah. No, no, but I know it. You yeah. Know what I'm that, yeah, that's good. I mean, my brother was seven years older than me, uh-huh. and so... So he indoctrinated you with all yeah, that good, so, like, cheesy Yeah, so I fell in stuff. love with Olivia Newton-John. I liked Daryl Hall and Oates. Actually, that's probably my parents. More <laughs> no um, no that's not yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you Hall and Oates come on Girl, I, Hall and Oates I I Hall and Oates was when I was in school man yeah yeah all right yeah so I I mean I grew up on all that stuff so I'm kind of weird you? I'm th- <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you're not I'm either 32 or 33 one of those see you're not that I'm 36 so I'm not much older than you Dude, you are archaic I tell you are you kidding me you yeah seriously well, hey I got a question yeah. I got an answer. When the Dead Sea was only sick, what was the disease that it had? Well, <laughs> the problem is, is that it had too much sodium intake. <laughs> oh, you're bringing in your balanced life. That's right, man. <laughs> Let's see. What topic do I want to bring up? We've all, we talked about so many different things already in 77. Wait, wait. The article that was emailed in. Yeah, we can do an article. And it's called Acceptance of Non-Traditional Activities as Back-to-Basics Opportunity. Okay. So uh, let's see what this is. All right. You want to start off? All right. Here we go. Orange County, California. Whoa. That's starting off right there. Do we realize where this is coming from? Oh, come on. Orange County? Come on. All right. The growing acceptance of non-traditional church activities like attending house churches, participating in marketplace ministry, and listening to religious radio broadcasts is an opportunity to strip down the basics of making disciples, according to one Orange County-based church body. Yeah, that's now that right there cracks me up. Okay. Because uh, listening to religious radio broadcasts, man, that's basic. That's basic, basic stuff. That's like first century church listening to radio, Christian radio. Anyway, I'll just headline. Okay. With Barna Research, which is a really prominent researching company, uh, especially for Christians, Showing more and more Christians accepting non-conventional church activities and locations as biblically valid, many churches are experimenting with new locations, delivery styles, and outreach methods. But Pastor Ken Eastburn of The Well interprets the research a little differently. This research sends a message that Christians are interested in more than just a different way of doing church, that was in quotes. They see a need to return to the basics of making disciples. The how and where are not important. 
for the well, which is this guy's past uh, church, stripping down to the basics. Maybe you should change that phrasing there. Yes, stripping down. (laughs) Stripping down to the basics meant leaving their traditional church building and becoming a community of house churches. According to Eastburn, God's church is really just a group of people striving to become more like Jesus. And we discovered that our dependence on a building was keeping us from doing that. Since shedding its building in 2005, the well has met in homes throughout the Orange County area. The congregates continue to carry on the responsibilities of other churches, promoting spiritual growth, community, and outreach on both the global and local levels, but are free from many of the the administrative concerns and roadblocks other American churches face. Quote, many churches struggle with... Oh, wait, many people, many, many churches struggle to be what God intended, end quote, continues Eastburn. Things like mortgages, facility maintenance, or even tra- uh, traditions imprison a church body from being the hands and feet of Christ. More than ever before, Christians are accepting that we don't need the trappings of conventional churches. So the well has decided to share its story with the churches on its blog, leavethebuildingblog.com. Uh, leave and encourages churches to individual Christians to ask themselves if they are ready to get, quote, back to the basics. Okay, so um, very interesting article. And uh, this is not new, uh, by the way, uh, the, the house church movement, cell church movement. Um, this has been something that I've personally been involved in and studying and investigating since 1996, uh, which was my first introduction into the cell church movement. Mm, And I am totally in agreement with the fact that I don't believe we need a building. We it's not a a building is not required. But through all of my experience, I'm not so I'm definitely not opposed to a building. Right. There are some benefits, some some kingdom benefits for having a building. And there are some uh, king kingdom drawbacks to having a building or at least stumbling stumbling blocks that are placed in the way of uh, having a building. Okay. So I want to give a, a, another voice to this. Okay. I don't know if you know Bill Eason or not. Okay. He's a pretty nope. he's a pretty popular famous dude. Um and I think it's uh churchconsultations.com is where this is coming from. But Bill Eason has written several books, blah 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 blah. Anyway, he's actually talking about a book by Frank Viola called Reimagining Church maybe. Uh, yeah, reimagining the church, um, and it's his sequel to his previous book called Pagan Christianity. Okay, I don't know if you've read either one of those or even heard of Pagan mm-hmm. Christianity. Nope. But basically, Pagan Christianity says, well, you know, actually, there's a lot of things that the church does and is that was actually borrowed from other things outside of the church to be able to be redefined and actually glorify God in the midst of those things. Right. Um, and for simple terms, the cross is a perfect example of those things my life is an example of one of those things sure exactly but you know the cross is a roman torture device and yet god uses it now to remind us that it's actually a symbol of grace and forgiveness and you know you know amazing amazing stuff at least in my mind so so that's what he's basically saying is you know pagan christianity and like how why in the world do we worship on a sunday when in reality that it was never necessarily a specific day that you know we took we took the names of the days and all kinds of stuff from a pagan understanding. Anyway, that's beside the point. Okay. So, but he basically is saying, and, and Frank Viola is saying, yes, we probably should go towards being a house church. Okay. But Frank Viola, but, but uh, Bill Eason is saying, wait, 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 wait. We don't need to all just jump ship and all become house churches. Right. Because there's actually something that could be good found in the institutional church. And so he has all these different things in here. I really haven't read all these things, and it's way too long to read a whole bunch of them. Um, 
but it's it's really funny because it, it, it seems like he's he's not just necessarily attacking Frank Viola, but he's attacking Frank Viola. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but he says when comparing the institutional church to the organic church, Viola always uses the best possible examples of the organic church and the worst possible examples of institutional church practices. Now this is Bill Eason talking about Viola's book. Viola refers to the house church as if it's a um, panacea where everyone everyone loves everyone. I've had enough experience with house churches to know that there are as many problems as there is in just as shallow as most institutional churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the book, he totally ignores many of the new forms of church life emerging simply because it's institutional. And he encourages his readers to abandon the institutional church altogether. I think this is a very deadly game he is playing. Viola acknowledges the need for contextualization, uh, pages 37 through 39, when it comes to cultural things in the scriptures, but denies the need to contextualize the gospel into our present culture. It's okay to rule out the need for women to cover their heads in public, but it's not okay to say that an institution, that, that an institutional and concert driven world, um, an institutional church with a formalized worship service might be valid to him. That would be quote over contextualizing, but who is to say where the line should be drawn. Yeah, I, I here's my think, thinking on this is that um, f- first of all, I'm involved in a in a church that that is simply called a simple church, and it, it's defined that way. And there's there is many people have taken this model of church where a majority of the focus is on uh, is is supposed to be the, the vision is equally focused on small groups that meet in each other's homes throughout the week. And a weekly gathering or celebration of all those people coming together. Now, I will tell you that my my personal experience with my own uh, church where I'm at, and and again, this is just my opinion, and uh, is that there's just a whole lot more emphasis on Sunday. You know that 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 seems to be the main right. thrust of everything. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's been my experience in just about every church that I've been a part of, where the main the, the main focus, the main energy, the most resources get put into you know that weekly uh, celebration that people come together. I've shared on multiple occasions that in my Christian faith, that time on Sunday morning is my least favorite part of my week. Um, as far as it, when when my faith is concerned, I, you know, so, sometimes it, it and, and again, I and I and I confess and admit that much of my thinking about this is um, is laced heavily with consumerism and 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 just selfishness and what I want and stuff like that. And there have been times that I've gotten beyond that and was able to clearly worship God for who he is in his majesty and in, in, in all of him, right. regardless of where I am. And especially when I got together with the other believers and saints and, and, and that's the way it should be. And so I acknowledge that a lot of this stuff isn't really my church or the way that any particular church does certain things. It's just, it's where I am in my faith and right, where sure. I am in my journey. And as that, you know, as my, as what I feel is, is where my heart is with God from time to time. Right. So, but with that, I will tell you just the logistics, just the the absolute logistics of what our church does. We don't own a building. We meet in a high school gymnasium. Right. And I want to tell you there are some really cool benefits to that in that we don't have that mortgage that we're tied to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't have that campus available to us 7 days a week 
that's going unused with the light, you know, with with the electric bill right. and all that stuff, and and all those other all those resources just completely not being used except for a couple hours a week, mm-hmm. and also and, you, and granted you're renting the place. Yes, right. we are renting I mean, the place. So it's not just completely free of cost, but it's peas and carrots compared to what it would cost for a mortgage and electricity and utilities. And so on. Exactly. And, and, and if we did own a building, because that building goes unused for so long uh, in, in the traditional sense, and now there has been some churches that I, I know about that I love the concept of building a community center. And then giving free use of that to the community, except for when you're going, and that church is a community center, right? Except for the times when you sell, do your celebrations. It's right. like this is our church, but the rest of the week it's open to the community for all this awesome activity and mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, but for the most part, the one big drawback is this: is like, oh my gosh, we are not being good stewards of this property. Let's bring, let's make sure we have different things that we do throughout the week in this building, so it's just not going to waste. Yeah, yeah. And too many things are focused on the church campus, and then of course, when you know, when it comes time to our, our church is growing, then we think about bigger buildings. It's like, how can we house more people? And all the programs get. So, I mean, so much happens when you actually physically own a building. That that you don't anticipate that it's just natural. It just it just seems to happen. Yeah. Now I will tell you the big drawback of this setup is that um, the the administration of setting up in a high school um, auditorium on a weekly basis pain mm. in the <laughs> butt. Yeah. I mean it is I a total pain in the butt. Yeah. Uh, packing everything up on a big box truck. Uh, taking your Saturday and unloading that thing for two hours and, and then all of a sudden s- taking two hours on a Saturday. And even if you only do that once every four to six weeks, you know, for somebody who doesn't feel called to do that and would love to interact and do ministry in other places and to serve and who, you know, somebody like myself, it's frustrating because that that has killed my opportunity, my commitment to my church and fulfilling a quote-unquote non-volunt I did not volunteer for it it was kind of just assumed that I would do it yeah and so um and because of my position as a home team bible study leader uh, I felt obligated to do that has has caused me to miss multiple business opportunities in this business that I'm involved in right. which I think is also very much a ministry in and of itself of course of course and so so I will tell you and of course even that comes with its drawbacks you know who is god going to call certain people to to say you know what this is what i'm called to do this is the kind of service that i want to provide i love the behind the scenes work and i want to be here every week to do this or at least more consistently and and i'll do it for those people who don't want to do this or can't fit it into their schedule right i and and, and even you know what i wouldn't mind volunteering at my own free will and saying, hey, as a, as a leader of my home team, I would love to in uh, I would love to volunteer a minimum of you know eight times per year. Yeah. But but let me find the time on my calendar to fit it in, rather than having it di- anyway. But see, yeah. you see how this yeah. the, and and because we don't have a building, this is the way I'm thinking it's about. Yeah. It's the way I'm thinking about my own church. I don't right. like to think this way. Right, 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 right. And of course. I will even say that you know maybe this is a hard issue, Cliff, and well, you know, sure, of course. And, and so you know, w- w- you know, what is more important? Do you trust God? Are you putting God first? And and there's all that back and forth. But you know, so what I'm saying is that 
uh, no church building and you're doing public gatherings in, in a public place, there's logistics that are involved that make it very difficult. Having the church building, there's obvious drawbacks of the temptation to let that become the focus of what you do and everything happens there and you're not in the community. Right. That I, I, I tell you, I've been back and forth on this issue for so long. I just don't know how I feel. Yeah. I'm, well, I, I think it's a, I think it's healthy that you're being able to wrestle with it and you're being able to think through it and be able to say, well, is this, is this, you know, is it me or is it a reality or maybe a little bit of both? And we're all just kind of wrestling through it in the midst of it. So, so I've, I've been a part of churches that have big campuses and facilities with thousands of members. And, you know, I, I thought I was opposed to that. And then I joined a church that doesn't have a building and I'm definitely not opposed to it, but I, I definitely see some, I could see some benefits of, ha- of our church having a building. But, you know, the one thing is, and, and, and I love what somebody wrote, and it was probably Jonathan in our chat room who wrote it. Let me, let me see if I can go back. Um, I got to pull. Oh, I hate when it does that. I, <laughs> what you know, happened? Bluetooth, you know how it, it kind of uh, yeah. stutters for a little bit before it actually <laughs> decides it wants to work correctly. Well, let me, um, can I read some of the yeah, comments in the ahead. chat room? Go ahead. Uh, Noodle says, I think that what you miss with something like that is the ability to make the church, quote, your own, which aids in it being, quote, comfortable for people and not so bland, like the difference of an office with white walls and fluorescent light versus nicely painted walls and direct lighting. <laughs> and the nation says, another mindset is that the building is used by other organizations that the church can support like schools, Red Cross, other churches, Amish, Korean, Spanish, startups, et cetera, satellite campus for sem- for seminaries, et cetera, and it's not just a different model. Right. Uh, here it is. Jonathan says it's not the building that traps them, but the mindset towards uh, and with the building that traps a good member, not the not all churches. Right. So basically, yeah, th- that's the thing. It, I don't I don't think having a building in and of itself is a bad thing. I, th- I think it's an indifferent thing. Right, sure. It, it can, it's, it, a building is a tool that can fulfill certain purposes. Like the internet. Exactly. <laughs> like Twitter. <laughs> but, but it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Right. But it definitely has, it, it does fill, fill certain purposes. Right. I mean, but if you did the, the wrong very early way. church, they didn't just meet in, like, in, in an open field, although that, uh, they sometimes done they that. did. But I mean, the majority of the time, it was still in a building. It was still in a house. Now their their houses were very much more communal than our houses are nowadays. Well, it, it it was publicly and house to house on a consistent basis. Right. I'm talking like really early on when we're persecuted all over the place. Yeah. No. This so, is. I mean, Paul so Acts twenty twenty. Right, right. You know, I've not forsaken teaching you, but I've gone publicly and right, from right. house to house. And so yeah, exactly. So, or flip flops. That's funny. <laughs> but I and and I but I think that what's going on there is is you, we have over the course of you know, the last 200 years, we've gotten so comfortable with this building that we're using it as a crutch. And I don't think that we're doing it knowingly. No, I, it's not I don't something so. that we're intentionally doing. I think it's just it's just a reality of that of the church right now. And so you talk to the people that grew up in the 50s where you went to church at that building and they still have the mindset of everyone has to come to us and, and this is where we do ministry. And it's and it's. And it's probably caused, uh, and I think this is just a reality. I think it's caused a a polar um, effect with saying this is sacred and this is not sacred. Right. And I think the building is a part of that. I really do. But I'm not saying the building is a bad thing. I'm just saying that we we need to bring the balance back 
Mm-hmm. And I think what what's happening is these house churches are bringing the balance back. But I think um, I think sometimes when you when the when the seesaw is so far to one side, it's almost like you have to over exaggerate it to be able to eventually get it balanced. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. And so I think a lot of the authors are kind of intentionally over exaggerating it, right. so we can actually be able to help, number one help people realize that there's actually a pivot point, <laughs> that there is a middle a middle area there. Uh, but when you over exaggerate. All it really does is just help it faster to be able to get level, if that makes sense. Yep. And so I think that's I, I personally believe that's that's what's happening. I think you're getting a lot of that from the emerging church. I think you get a lot of that from the house church movement stuff. Um, but I don't think that they're necessarily yelling at all the. Although you know there are people out there. I mean, there's people out there that are killing abortion doctors. <laughs> that's Ridiculous. been the latest latest news. But um, I mean, those you're going to have the you're going to have the crazy wackos in the middle of that too. But I think that that's what's what's actually occurring is people are actually going to listen to it when it's actually over uh, overbalanced, and then they're like, "Oh, okay, maybe we won't take it that far, but we'll actually have a little bit of balance in the midst of it." Right. Well, hey, let's let's move on to something else. Moving on up, M- moving on up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to place a YouTube a <laughs> YouTube video here in the chat room. Let me see if I can uh, grab that and and post this in here. This came from Kylie Mack. She emailed this to me. Okay. All right. And uh, basically, DG, what this is? Well, I'll, I'll see if this this becomes uh, um, pretty sure. Actually, let me do this. Let me go to his website. It's Kevin Roos, I think, is his name. Oh, uh, not and the, Kevin Rose of the no, nation. not Kevin Rose, because that's what I thought it was. It's like, <laughs> like huh? Oh, that's she cool. says you should inter- interview this guy, and it's KevinRoos dot com slash contact. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? Kevin Rose, why would I do that for about the church? And it's Kevin, I guess his name's Kevin Rose, but we'll find out because he says his name. Anyway, he, the question is, what would happen if a student at one of America's most secular colleges spent a semester at Reverend Jerry Falwell's Bible boot camp for young evangelicals? Okay. So let, let's listen. Wait, are, they, are they assuming that this, that this um, student is not a Christian? Yes. Well, okay. Yeah. Pretty. Pretty much. What I believe. So, okay. so, now, I mean, it's kind of. It's. It's hinting at that. But it doesn't well, say well, that. Here's the, the. This is him. He's the actual student. Gotcha. So okay. and and this YouTube is like a promo for what he's talking about. Okay. So, All right, here we so go. have a listen to this. And I think I, I listened to it this morning before I went for my walk. And I'm almost positive that this will make sense in audio form. So hey, Noodle says his friends know this guy. Very cool. Here we go. College. It's a time-honored American tradition, a time in every young person's life when work takes a backseat to fun, when nothing is off limits, and when parents aren't around to pick up the mess. Oh, hey, that's me, Kevin Roos. Until pretty recently, I was a fairly typical college student. I went to Brown, a school in Rhode Island known for left-wing politics and permissive social rules. At Brown, you can do pretty much whatever you want. You can drink beer in public, you can smoke cigarettes, you can even grab the person next to you and just start making out with them. Total stranger, tongue down the throat. Okay, maybe not. But then one day, I met a group of <laughs> students from Liberty University, and my life changed completely. You see, Liberty is the world's largest evangelical university. It has 10,000 students trained to become the next generation of America's culture warriors and take on the secular world in all walks of life. People call it Bible Boot Camp. Liberty has a 46-page code of conduct called the Liberty Way 
that outlaws drinking, smoking, cursing, dancing, R-rated movies, and hugs that last for longer than three seconds. NC-17s Basically, okay. 95% of a typical college student's day. Liberty was founded in 1971 by Jerry Falwell. You know, this guy. Fact number one. Global warming as we think we know it does not exist. But after meeting the Liberty <laughs> students that day, I realized how little I knew about their world. I mean, these were my peers, right? But I had no idea what their lives could be like. Do they use Facebook? Do they watch Entourage? Do they go on dates? What would it be like to live like them? At the end of the semester, I decided to find out. I left Brown and went to Liberty as a student. Okay, so now I'm at Liberty, and I have no idea what I'm doing. And what's worse is that I can't tell anyone else how lost I am. I, ha I have to fake it and blend in. So I'm doing things like joining Bible study groups and taking courses called Evangelism 101. I even joined the church choir. But against all odds, I think I'm starting to fit in. to meet Jerry Falwell and interview him for Liberty's campus newspaper. It was the last newspaper interview he ever gave. Alright, so Liberty can be a pretty strange place sometimes, and I still don't understand or agree with some of the stuff that goes on here. But I'm having fun, and I'm learning that I can get along with these people who are supposed to be my polar opposites. Is the God divide really as big as we say it is? Well, no, it's not, and I'm the proof. My name is Kevin Roos, and this is my story. Check that out. Isn't that cool? I'd like to know a little bit more about this guy. Kylie, I mean, the, what you've seen is about as much as I've seen. Just the front page of his website and uh, the YouTube video. Yeah, and uh, Daniel, if Daniel, are you able to call us? I, I don't know if you're able to call us from work or not, but if you are, I'd love to hear anything you know about this guy. And by the way, this is at kevinroos.com, K-E-V-I-N-R-O-O-S-E.com. Okay, and uh, he wrote. A, I guess he wrote a book titled "The Unlikely Disciple." And uh, I, I love one of the things that he said. What's in the spine there? It's like the unchurched. Um, student or something like that. I forget what it is. I can't read what it says. Oh, here, I'll get it. Um, a, a, a sinner's semester at America's. Um, yeah, he says he can't call in. At America's something university. Okay. Anyway. At America's holiest. Holiest. Uni yeah, okay. A sinner's semester at America's holiest university. Right. Very interesting. It's, okay. Does does Does... Does this not reek to anybody else of some dude who just wants to write a book? Yeah, it does. But I'm sorry. I, this is like pure marketing propaganda. You think? Yeah. I, I, I think. Of course I think. I, I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm interested in it. 
I'll buy Dude, I'll I'm, buy in. I'm not biting that apple. Really? <laughs> I'm not. Well, I, it just seems it seems to me that here's a dude who's like, I'm, I'm going to see if I can write a book. Well, what would I do to write a book? You know what? I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go hang out with well, them. Lot, lots of people write books. and He and, did write a book. Of course he wrote a book. Yeah, <laughs> we were just talking about yeah. the book. But, but I just... You know, and of course, that's that what was, it's all about. And I agree. I think it's a great idea. I think, you know, what are you going to do with your life? You know, why not investigate this Christianity thing? You know, who are these holy people over there that can't hug each other for more than three seconds? <laughs> I mean, but, I, I, I think the fact that somebody who is a non-Christian would think to do something like this, I, I think it's interesting. And I would love to read it, it, it can, in my understanding, whether or not this guy is a Christian or not, or was at the time before joint before doing this, I would love to talk to him and find out, or at least read the book and find out was he a born again believer? Was was he a Christian beforehand? And if not, how I want to know what he wrote about his experiences. Right, I think right. I think that's fascinating. I think it's a great idea. I, I don't know. I, to me, it just seems like some dude's like, you know what? I'm going to write a book and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. DG. I'm going to, I want to write the book just so I can be able to make money. Okay. Now, well, now, now don't get me wrong. I think wrong that he might've had a, he might've had a real experience in the midst of that. I'm not saying that he didn't, but what's wrong with that concept? Because he was doing it. I think he was doing it. How do I say this? Oh, are, are you anti-capitalist? Well, yeah. I mean, Are you seriously? I am. Of course, I am. Why? I don't think that we should all be about money, and that's what capitalism is all about. Period. I, I don't know that that's all that it's about. That is what capitalism is about. It's I, money. <laughs> I well, I have not looked into capitalism exactly, but I, I I just don't believe that. I know I know it is so many people that if it if it has a foundation, I guarantee you, part of that a major part of that foundation is money. Yeah, but I I believe in the capitalist system. And in fact, there there is there is some there are some aspects of it that from what from what little I understand. And and trust me, I, as I move forward and 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 pursue an entrepreneurial career sure. for uh-huh. myself, right? Uh, in this capitalistic society that we live in, um, I I I have come to understand that there are some downright Christian principles that are that are rooted in. The right. capitalist movement. I mean, right. it, the ideas, philosophies. Right. And Nation says it's about providing a fair exchange and value to others. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to trust Nation on this because this is, this they, is, he was the one that would know this. <laughs> J- Jonathan actually loves nothing more than to study economy. Exactly. That, like that's, I'm going to trust his This is something I know there. about him. In fact, uh, but but anyway, no, I, I am not anti-capitalist. And I think that, you know, you know what? In this world today... You have you have one of two decisions. One is that you go out and make money, you do something of value, and and you earn a living. All right, okay. or you expect somebody to give you money for 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 whatever. Okay. All right, and I am not about asking people to just hand out and doll out money to me. I want to provide something of value. I want to pro- provide a service, a value, something that benefits them in exchange for something. Now, now, whether or not – now, does that have to be money? No. I, I believe we could have a capitalistic society without the exchange of money. We could have the exchange of goods. Right. And and I still be- – however, I, I think cap- – But I, I, question, I, I question Kevin Roos's motives at the very beginning of this as thinking that it's a service to others 
Or is it a purpose of being able to sell and make it, money for a book? When I see that, I don't see that this is a service to others. I see this as a person who is looking to maybe start a career in journalism and documentaries. And I say he has done a brilliant job. Okay. All right. Whatever. What? What? <laughs> I can disagree with you. That's, That's okay. fine. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with you disagreeing with me. But I, I tell you, I, I think it's a. I don't. It, it reeks of if marketing. It, if you're a non, if you're a non-Christian, if you are a non-Christian, and he actually says a sinner semester. So he, if he is a quote-unquote sinner, what's right. the wrong with a selfish, self-motivated, uh, self-fulfilling, um, acquire, you know, desire to acquire wealth through writing a book and and documentary about whatever you want to do? Isn't that what isn't that what as a sinner you're supposed to do look out for yourself no i'm not disagreeing with the fact i i i i I have no expectations for what this guy should be doing if he if he truly is not a christian Mm -hmm. i'm just saying that i have a problem when people want to make money off of me okay and 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 that and without it truly being a service to me uh and 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 i guess what i'm trying to say is is i whether it's right or wrong and I do think it's wrong to be able to do things selfishly, mm-hmm. um, and but I don't expect sinners to you know to or sinners. I, I don't expect I don't expect normal <laughs> he, people. He, he was self proclaimed by the spine of his book. Right, right, right. Is is the only the reason center. we're using that term? Right, but but the only reason that anyone would, would use that term is if um, you know that's. I don't. I don't think it's a normal person's term that they would term for themselves. Well, he <laughs> maybe ter- after going in, in the context of. But I know tons of, of Christians that of call that themselves uni- sinners. You know what I'm saying? I know so. a ton of churches that call non-believers sinners. Yeah, nations got. I mean, I don't want to be manipulated. Mm-hmm. And in in the capitalist societies in which we I found myself in, I found I find often, and I have a huge radar for this. Of saying, I'm going to test everything and find out if I'm being manipulated. Sure. Which is the main reason I honestly cannot stand Christian bookstores. Okay. Because I feel like they're just making trinkets to sell stuff and to be able to make money off of off of me, off of Christians. And I mean, in my mind, that's getting awfully close to selling, you know, to selling way overpriced animals for sacrifice, the temple kind of a thing. It's just you're taking advantage of someone's belief and 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 making money off of it. I and dis- that is what I have major, major problems and with. And I disagree wholly, 100%. And, and I'm not a fan of making a Christian version of everything because then, you know, where are you in and your influence in the world if we have our own Christian soap companies and we have our own Christian this and our own Christian that. But right. but I'm not opposed to all things, you know, having a Christian variety of something. I'm not, I'm not opposed to having a Christian YouTube, you know, a Christian version of YouTube, which is out there. Uh, I'm not opposed, and I'm definitely not opposed to my sponsor because if I was, I would be sure, sure, of course. Uh, I would, I'd be a hypocrite if I were opposed to, to you know, a great sponsor of the Family from the Heart show. But here, here's what my, here's my thinking on a Christian bookstore. Okay, you could support a a, a company that, first of all, Christian books or not, they're they're books that are published by Christian authors, okay? That you know. And so what you have is you have a let's just say an individual, a family that decides to open up a bookstore. Right. All right? right. Okay. Now, they just they determine within them within their own belief system that you know what? We do not want to promote uh secular non-Christian ideas and philosophy, so we are not going to do uh we're not going to we're not going to sell 
porn, soft corn, hard porn, or soft porn, soft corn, soft corn. No, cre- I love cool no soft cream corn, corn here. <laughs> you you won't find any cream corn in our it's, bookstore. It's so funny. My wife was teaching the teaching the youth in Lexington, and she wrote up there, and she's like, "What are some bad things that we do?" It's just a side note. And she wrote up, and one person said porn, and so Tiffany wrote, and, and one of the mid high said, "Hey, I like corn." <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just rolled laughing. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> anyway, okay, yeah. So, so anyway, the, don't sell soft porn. So, so soft porn, hard porn right. magazines with bikinis on them. They decide, you know what? I'll tell you what. I I'm dedicating my life and my business to the advancement of the kingdom of God, and so therefore, I'm making a business decision that I will only sell things that. Mo- that motivate people towards expanding the kingdom of God. Okay. That's what I've decided to uh, devote my entire life to. Now, I'm open for business. Anybody who wants to come by, there's no wrong motive in that. That's, that person's not saying, hey, I know where I can make a quick buck. There's a bunch of easy pushover Christians who can't discern within themselves what books to buy in the bookstore. So they'll they'll come and trust me because I've made that decision for them what's right and what's wrong. Because I'll tell you what, in Christian bookstores, you still have to be a discerning Christian because there's a lot of books that are that make it through that, that aren't quite expanding the kingdom of God. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So I, I, but if somebody I see what has, you're saying. I'm, I'm going to be more pessimist than optimist when I walk into the stores. And I have been for quite some time now. And I, I mean, it's, it's the testaments. You know, it's the... It's the Christian rock, uh, uh, whatever it is, um, rock band. Uh, you know, it's it's these things that I'm just like, okay, it, it, you're just searching for the next thing so you can be able to create a Christian version of it to be able to make money. I see, the, and I understand you, that you're doing it from the you want to encourage people, but I'm sorry, it's 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 way way out of proportion in my I mind. I think now. I think you're you're you're. Um, what do you call that when you when you broadly push that idea on somebody? Um, you're you're over generalizing all all the the motives of those people. Yeah, and I'm, I, okay. Well, I mean, I can, I'll give a balance. I mean, that's yeah. Of course, you can find things in a Christian bookstore. No, that I'm, are talking, not bad. I'm, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Let's 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 forget about things in the store. Let's talk about the motives for creating the different store. Okay, you're, that's fine. I think what I'm saying is you're over generalizing the desire of the people who formed that corporation or that company or that limited liability corporation or that partnership or that sole proprietorship store. I I honestly believe that there is, there is always going to be a temptation for people that are in business. There's a temptation for everything, for everybody. I don't disagree with you, but I'm saying, I think that that is getting ridiculous, redonkulous about, about what's being brought out. That is supposedly encouraging Christians. I, I it's, it's just, way past it's you walk in there and it's not necessarily all books it's just a lot of trinkets a lot of stuff that i think in america we've got major issues with with just having stuff if you go to from from my experience of listening to the um the catholic insider and daily breakfast podcast from father Roderick, you go to room and every single store has a little trinket where you can buy little plastic statues of all the saints exactly and you know what the what I what I can't say though, DG, is I cannot say that 
in my heart, I, I cannot find it within myself to generalize and say that I believe the intent of each of those individuals, those store owners, was to just make a quick buck. And especially, I can't. I, what about the what about the the individual, the person, or the family that's the one making those plastic statues of the saints? What if what if they're doing it or out the of the company a, that's or what, pouring them into a mold? Plastic? What if what if they're what if their clear devotion? is to God and that they believe that in their heart this is their way of of providing something that r- gives them uh, motivation and encouragement through their day to remind themselves of of the Catholic saints that can pray for them. I mean, because this is their faith in the Catholic Church. Well, sure, of course. Well, so, and, well okay, then, then take that with, with what Noodle just said, but stuff like Christian Monopoly games, is it really truly necessary? No. I. I but is it edifying for their life? Oh, yeah, it's edifying. It's going to encourage them to be more Christian by playing a Christian Monopoly I'm, game. I'm not saying there's some really weird stuff in there. The WWJD bracelets... Uh, you know, it, I, I think that probably started out with a really healthy, awesome intent. Sure. You know, and did it catch on as a fad and a way to make a quick buck? Yeah, it did. When it right. showed up at the dollar store, you right. know, and right. right there, ne- and you know, and it said it, it's right, you know, two aisles down from right. the penthouse magazines. Right, and but absolutely, now, and, and now you can be able to go buy them with that diamond studded gold and cost you know two thousand dollars for just a price. You know, it's just. I'm sorry. It's just it's but, a, it's a little bit much, and I think the world, the society that we live in, that is all about stuff. All we're doing in that case, and a lot of those cannot all we're doing. I'm sorry, I'm generalizing everything, but in a lot of cases, we're just promoting materialism in a lot of the Christian bookstores, and I have issues with that. I have major, major issues with that because I'm, honestly, how many of these of these things, how many precious moments do you really need? Mm-hmm. How many, you know. Um, you know, just name it, walk into those stores and it's just someone literally said with, with a marketing mindset, I'm going to vomit Jesus marketing everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I have issues with it. I have major, major issues with it. Okay. And and I think that uh, there's always going to be that temptation for someone to say, Oh, well, let's bring that out. And I think they're doing it under the guise of saying, no, we're edifying and helping other people. Same. I can have the exact same argument or conversation, discussion, not argument as in bad, but like the the good definition of argument. Uh, I can have the same discussion based off of prayer requests or gossip. I mean, they're mm-hmm. doing it under the guise of a prayer request, but in reality, it's just a bunch of gossip in some cases. Right. And, and I think the exact same thing is happening here. So, I mean, ultimately, what I think we're both saying is, is you know, don't just walk in there just to buy something just because you have a gift certificate to go buy something. Actually, be you know actually be a consumer that would actually say god do i need this and you know and why why is this purchase being made and, yeah, and, and things like and, this. and see the thing is is it, it all comes down to the individual you know it, this comes down to the the decision of the individual christian am i as a christian a materialistic person if i quit buying crap i don't need right. and storing up bunches of junk if I were to quit buying every single release of the little happy Mary cows at Hallmark, or right. if I bought the Precious Moments doll over at the, you know, God bless me store, then then if I quit buying that crap, then all of a sudden, guess what? They stop selling it because it doesn't make sense. But right. if they if they're selling it and it makes it makes them and it's putting food on their table and these people continue, I don't know that the 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 intent is to push this down with a bunch of Jesus marketing and to make a lot of money. It's just like, hey, here's an opportunity. These people desire this. They love this. Uh, you know, it, it, 
God, you work in the hearts of these people. But, uh, you know, what if these are gifts for somebody? Is there anything? I guess fundamentally, is it sinful to have a collection of trinkets that you do not, that are not necessary? Right. And I think that goes back to the church building. Is it necessary to have a building? No. But does it benefit you to have a building with, you know, air conditioning that you control? Maybe. You know, is it necessary? I don't know. Anyway, I, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I I don't disagree with you at all with that part of it. I just I, I walk in and I just see marketing. That's all I see. And, I, and well, it's you, very you very walk into a store, exactly. But, and it and it is a store. Ex- ex- and and but what it's I a store don't that see, needs to stay in business if I it wants to continue see, to fulfill its mission of providing these materials. I just okay. Here's the other thing: is like in my mind. I've really lately. I've been really like I want to go buy some Tom shoes. Okay. And do you know of, of Tom's shoes? No. They cost forty eight dollars, and they're basically made of two pieces of canvas and a sole. Okay. But with every shoe that's purchased, they donate. I, they a shoe. give a shoe I've to heard someone about in need. It's those kinds of things that I'm interested. In. I think the rest of the world is interested in it, which is awesome. But let's let's have Christians actually do those kinds of things instead of just saying we want to promote our bookstore chain. So, so let's actually really live into some of those things. There, there are bookstores that that do wonderful things as well, such as you know you buy a Bible, we'll give a Bible away. I mean, I mean, but that's not the case. Ninety percent of them. Well, you know the thing is, is I, I'm just saying, I, I the unlikely disciple. I'm going to check it out. Um, I I may actually even buy the book because for me. He would sure if if I buy his book, would he be earning some money from me? Absolutely, right. Uh, but I would be buying the book with the perceived understanding that I would be gaining the value of his insights, which I am desperately interested in right. finding out what he would think and, and that's of the, his experience at this university. And that is a topic that we should have talked about. Is wow, here is a normal person that's looking at Christians as. Who are they? They're totally different people than me, mm-hmm. and and I think that is speaking volumes. I mean, major volumes about what Christians are doing in this world. Yeah, that we are creating like these these holy huddles, uh, these Christian ghettos, and we're not necessarily actually um, being in the world, but not of it. Yeah, that's a huge statement, and I think that's what I would get out of this book. That's the only reason I would read this book is to hear that viewpoint. But you wouldn't buy it. You would just. I'm not. I don't. It just it still reeks a little bit of marketing. For me. <laughs> it, it is marketing, and I think it's brilliant. And I think he. I think it's wonderful. And I'm. I'm interested. And and Kylie, I appreciate the fact that you sent it along to me because I. Yeah, I I'm yeah, going to check you. it out. And I'm. And I may very well get in touch with him and do an interview because it. it I'd be interesting. I, I. I'd like to. Like to challenge him. Say hey. What was this like? Did you, what did you go in with? I mean, did you deceive people? How did you feel about that? I mean, yeah. I, I'd love to ask him some interesting questions. But uh, anyway, um, Kevin Roos, if you're listening and you want to send me a free copy of your book, I'll give that one to DG. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, give me a call. The phone number here, of course, if you guys want to call in, leave voice feedback, uh, you can do that at area code 859-795-4067. Yes. If you want to dial toll-free, you can do that. We'll pick up the bill on that one. That's 1-800-757-1158. We will be back, I guess, next Tuesday. Uh, Yes, I think so, yeah. All right, so next Tuesday (laughs) at 10 a.m. My life is crazy. At gspn.tv slash live. If you want to, prepare for it. 
We'll take your live calls then if you have sure. if you have the desire to do so. We love you guys. Honestly, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Be a loud member. Pray for a different church. Oh, yeah. Pray for a different church that's and not your pra- own. Praxispodcast.com. There you go. <laughs> Twitter.com slash GSPN. Slash Praxispodcast. <laughs> slash Argon 52. Argon 52. <laughs> Self-promotion <laughs> has ended. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> nice.